Those of you that are watching us online, welcome. We are glad that you've chosen to dial in. You've watched Wimbledon and now you're watching us. So we're excited to have you with us here today. Hey, I've been gone a couple of weeks, but it is always good knowing that when I'm gone, you guys get better preaching. And can we give a shout out right now to Pastor Jen Long and Pastor Josh Zello for stepping in and knocking it out of the park. Hallelujah. If you missed the last two Sundays because of travels or your internet connection was down or whatever, I want to encourage you to go back to 1910church.com and our message archives and check out those messages that you've missed. It's good to be here. We're going to continue today in this series called Me Familia. For you gringos, that means my family. And we are sharing things this summer that we believe are going to make your families stronger, better than they are. Come on, how many of you got a great family right now? Come on. But how many of you want to see it go to that next level? Amen? So we've been talking about some things this summer, unpacking some things that we believe will will help foster healthier families, make our families stronger and better. And today, we're going to continue in that same vein. Today, we're going to talk about worship. Worship and what role worship can play in your home. Now, today, I need to give you a heads up. Today is going to be a little bit different For some of you, it might be a little bit unusual and weird. Some of you are going, we've come to expect that from you here at 1910. Listen, here's the deal today. Today is going to be a very participatory type of an experience. You know, I grew up in a church for 30 years of my life in which in order for us to gather together on a Sunday morning, you you sang four songs out of a hymn book. They would pass a flying saucer. We'd drop our offering in that. Then the choir would stand and sing a special song or somebody's niece that was visiting from out of town would sing a special song because the preacher just has to have a warm-up solo in order to preach, right? Around the age of 30, though, I was awakened to a new experience of what worship could be. Now, nothing wrong with that worship style. I love it, and I'm thankful for my history and my background. But God is a God that is doing new things. Do you believe that? And he's wanting to move us. And we believe that today, as we journey together in this idea of worship, that that for some of you today, God's going to do something new. He's going to teach you something new about worship that maybe you didn't know. And so uh, I want to encourage you today to participate with us. Those of you that are here in the house, those of you that are in your house, I want to encourage all of us to dial in and to focus as we deal with this subject matter of worship. I believe God wants to do something new in us. I believe for some of us, we're going we're gonna to learn some things that we've never thought about. For some of us today, I believe that we're going to be pushed to, to some some maybe some limits and new experiences. We want you to participate at whatever level you feel most comfortable today. God is not a God that forces anything upon us, right? But we want you to participate in however you feel led. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, sit. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to lay down, you'll hear more about that later. If you need fruit and cheese platter, raise your hand and our servers will get that to you, okay? Just kidding on that part. Because we got something better for you in the store today. We believe that the God of heaven is in this house. It's already been a good day, has it not? Isaiah could go home right now and it'd be worth it. But because there are people with us, we probably ought to participate in this once again. Amen? Listen, we believe that today God wants to do something new in us. And I hope that you came ready to experience Him. I pray that you came ready to learn something new. But more importantly, we pray that this time together would transform us and change us. Are you ready for that? I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And here's what I need you to do as you stand. I need you to push the delete button in your mind of any thoughts, plans, activities, things that you know that are coming up. I want you to forget about other things that you've got to see through this afternoon. I want you to lay aside, you know, any other relationship or concern or weight that you have right now so that you not miss out on this moment. The Spirit of the Lord is in this house today and He wants to meet with us. He wants to move. He wants to transform us. So God, we open ourselves up to you now. Holy Spirit, have your way.
Come on, church, can we just assume a posture of being ready and willing and just obedient to the Spirit and whatever He wants to do in this house and in our hearts. God, we're ready. We came here for a move from you above everything else. We pursue you, Jesus. Our focus and our attention, our eyes are on you. Be glorified, be magnified in this place, God.
on, sing that with me. A miracle can happen now for the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. Come on, does anybody in this house believe that a miracle can happen today? Come on, do we really believe? Do we believe that God is who He says He is, that He can do anything? You see, when we get in the presence of God, anything can happen. Nothing is impossible, and miracles are normal for Him, right? In fact, the supernatural is natural for a, a supernatural God. Come on, is anybody with me today? Hey, as we, as we talk about the outward postures of worship this morning, I, I do want to say this, that the greatest posture of worship comes from your heart. Right? We can do all the physical postures of worship, but if the heart is not postured towards Him, then it makes no difference. And so as we talk through some of these and we even demonstrate some of these outward aspects of worship, I just want to let you know that the heart is what God looks at the most and what He cares about. I'm going to talk about a, an outward posture of worship for a moment that I believe is probably the most common that we see within the church, but it's probably also taken for granted because we may not fully understand what it means. And it's that of lifting your hands. I think it's easy for us to just come in and the music sounds good and it just hits that right note that you're like, all right, I'll just lift my hands. Sounds good. The worship leader said, hey, let's lift your hands. But what does it really mean to lift your hands? Why do we do it? There's two words in Hebrew from the Old Testament that represent the lifting of your hands in worship to God. One is called yada, and it means to extend the hand, to throw out your hand in aggressive form of worship, to aggressively throw your hands up, to lift your hands in worship. It's out of this place of desperation. It's out of this place of passion. It's out of this response of what God has done already for you. Come on, is there anybody in here that would say, God has done something for me? Throughout the Old Testament, this is used over a hundred times to declare that I will give my response, my aggressive form of worship out of what he's done, out of his kindness that is undeserved, out of his grace and mercy. Psalm 107.15 says, lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness and for his miracles of mercy for those he loves. His miracles of mercy are right here in this room. What is our response gonna be? Before we move on to the second word, I want us to do something. Can you lift your hands? And can we take just 30 seconds? And can we vocally out loud, I want you to say it out loud. I want you to declare the goodness of God in your life. I want you to thank him out loud what he has done for you, what he has done for your life, the undeserved grace and mercy he's given us. Come on, can we fill this room with thanksgiving and praise to him? There's a second word in Hebrew in the Old Testament that represents the lifting of your hands, and it's toda. It's very similar to yada, but it has a little different meaning. It's very specific, and it actually, where, where yada means that you're giving thanks to God for the things that he's done, toda actually means that you're giving thanks to God for the things that he's promised, yet you have not seen it yet. Come on, can anybody testify that there have been promises, there have been some breakthroughs that you are been you've been praying for, you've been asking the Lord for, but for some reason, there hasn't been the breakthrough yet. I, I think too often Christians are really quick to lift your hands. We're quick to lift our hands in worship because of what God's done for us, yet we forget to declare what He wants to do 
and the breakthrough that's going to take place. And that's what that word means. Is it's, a, it's a response of declaration that the promises of God are going to come to pass. That the breakthroughs are going to happen, right? Friends, if you love Jesus, come on, if you love Jesus and believe that He is a miracle-working God, then why wouldn't we declare that with our heart and with our praise and our thanksgiving? Let's declare that today. Let's declare that today. I love the scripture, if you'll throw it up there. In, in 2 Chronic, uh, Chronicles, it says, After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Talking about Jehoshaphat, the, the king of Judah. And they sang to the Lord, praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang, Give thanks to the Lord, and his faithful love endures forever. You see, this king, despite all odds, that he was about to, that the army of Israel were against all odds, he stepped forward and put the singers at the front and said, we are going to worship, we are going to lift our hands, we are going to praise. And God gave them the victory. And we say this a lot around here is worship wins the war. When we worship, we are actually surrendering ourselves. We're surrendering control to God and saying, I surrender to you, God, and to what's best for my life. So I lift my hands to you because I know that you know me best and that you can take control, God. So one more time, can we lift our hands as we go into worship and can we surrender ourselves? Can we surrender control to a God and a Father that knows us best and has created us for more?
box. People bow down. There are certain cultures in which people bow when they encounter persons of an older generation as a sign of respect and honor. They will bow and acknowledge their presence. Even today, there, there are so many idols that we have erected in our lives personally that, you know what we do? We bow down to. We show it admiration, we show it honor, and we respect it, right or wrong, right? E even today, Muslims all around the world will bow down five times in prayer and humble themselves. When you look in the Old Testament, the word worship is the Hebrew word shahach, shahach, and it literally means to bow down. You see, for an Old Testament person living in those days, they understood that when they worshiped, this was a position. They submitted themselves. They surrendered themselves. They paid respect and admiration for the person whose presence they were in. Bowing also requires humility. Because when I bow down to someone else, I am acknowledging that they are greater than me. It's humbling, isn't it? We all bow to something. We all will worship something. We all will shahach something. We will bow to that thing or that person that we believe is greater and worthy. Bowing is more than just a physical posture to take. And for some of you right now, you're a little sweaty, aren't you? Because you know what I'm about to ask you to do. And it's odd and it's weird. But you know, more than any physical position that we take during our worship, there, there, there is a greater place of bowing that must take place. You see, when I reverence God, when I adore Him, when I honor Him, when I bow before Him, more than any physical position I might assume, God is more concerned with the position of my heart. Jesus spoke to this in the book of Matthew chapter 15 to a group of religious people. They understood the motions of ritualistic worship. They were so good about knowing the law. They were so good about knowing what was fitting and proper. But yet Jesus says this to those leaders. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, it's possible for us to lift our hands in worship today. It's possible for us to bow down in worship day. It's even possible for you to clap and even dance a little bit, but your heart not be in it. How many times have I been guilty maybe of just going through the motions? I know that I'm not the only one and I've not been in it. Jesus is quoting an Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah about ritual that lacked meaning. See, today when we talk about worship and when we talk about bowing or when we talk about lifting our hands, there is something 
that you worship. I want to ask you to take a seat for me right now. You're sitting in a chair. And that chair now possesses your body. That chair is holding something. That chair, there is something seated on that chair. That throne, you might say. May I ask you a question this morning? What is it that is seated on the throne of your life? Maybe who is seated on a throne in your life? Who occupies that place of trust in your life? What is it that, 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 that is seated in your life that, that you pay reverence to, that you give honor, respect? There's something that you're worshiping right now, and it has taken up a seat in your life. And you know what you do to that thing or that person? You bow down to it. You're worshiping it. What is that in your life today? What is it? Or who is it? Is it another person, another created human being? Is it another thing that you've created? There's something seated on the throne of your life and you are bowing down in worship to it. I don't know where your heart is today in relation to God. I don't know where, where you stand in relation to, to how your life is, is a living demonstration of, of, of worship to him. And for some of us listening here today, may, maybe your heart is far from God right now. And I would just encourage you to, to, to somehow come to that place where, where, where you humble yourself in the presence of a great God. You can do that now, and I hope that you will. But if you not do it now, can I just remind you what Scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, God has elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and has given him the name above other names. That at the name of what, church? Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. You see, right now you might be a little messed up in what you're bowing down to, what you have placed on a throne that you're worshiping today, but make no mistake about it, someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And so can we just get used to that right now? Can we get used to, to paying honor and reverence and giving ultimate respect and practicing humility before the King of Kings who's worthy of it all? See, we may not bow the knee now, but one day we will. You see, he's coming in the clouds and all those kings and kingdoms, check it out, they will bow down before the King of Kings. In worship, in worship. What are you bowing to? What are you humbling yourself to and who today? Let us bow before the one who is worthy.
see throughout scripture and really whenever there's encounters with God this position is taken by those who are encountering God and it's the position of laying down prostrating before God meaning laying down on your face before God we see this scripture in a couple different or this posture in a couple of different scriptures one being when Saul had his name changed on the road to Damascus when God blinded him he fell and laid before God on his face as God rebuked him and changed his name we see in the first book of the Bible in Genesis when a man named Abram was making, or God was making a covenant with Abram and he was getting a name change. He was on his face before God. We've even seen this posture taken with inanimate objects as in the first Samuel when the Ark of the Covenant was the very presence of God, the very symbolic nature of where God resided when it was stolen, the Philistines took it and put it in their false god's temple, the god of Dagon. And when they put it there, that next day the priests came and saw that the statue of Dagon had been knocked over and was on its face before God. It's a, it's a posture that's taken many times by those who encounter God. And what this posture connotates is a heart of submission. It's a will of submission saying quite literally, God, we are below you. We are humbling ourselves and lowering ourselves and magnifying you in every way. Whether we mean to or not, by choice, God is saying, you're below me. Not because he's a dictator, but simply because of his grandeur and majesty. We have to be in awe of who we are. And the position that we get to take as his sons and daughters is one of free will in saying, God, you're bigger than me. I magnify you in my life. So what I want to encourage us to do today is to adopt this posture. It might seem uncomfortable. It's probably one thing we don't do a lot in church. But I want to encourage you today to maybe spread out and find a space on the ground. And if you need to, or if you'd like to, to lay before God. And submit and say, God, I humble myself right now. And I want you to be magnified in my life. Maybe for you, you can't do that. That's okay. I just want you to take a seat and adopt a heart posture that says the same thing. That says, God, I magnify you. And if I could, I'm laying down before you bare and vulnerable and saying, I submit to you in this moment. But this is a posture that should make us uncomfortable because we're saying, God, you're bigger. I submit and I trust. So if you want to, as I pray, I'm gonna encourage you to spread out and find a spot on the ground. Or if you want to, just take a seat and bow again but I want us to adopt this posture this morning. So God, I thank you for the opportunity that 
we get to choose to take this posture this morning, God. That you don't have to force it, that you don't have to come in here and mandate it, Lord, but that as an act of obedience to you, we as your children submit and say, God, I trust you, and God, I magnify you in my life. And so, Lord, to honor you, we lay bare before you, God, vulnerable, open, and submissive. And say, God, do what only you can do. God, speak to us. God, I pray that our hearts would be open right now to your spirit speaking. God, that even as we adopt maybe a physical or a heart posture, that we would be open to hearing what you're speaking in this moment, Jesus. And God, would we fall in love with you? Would we see your grandeur and majesty in this moment? Would we be in awe of who you are, God? And submit to all that you are, Jesus.
Push us away and say, no, not now. When we say, we just want to meet with you here in this place, you're faithful to do that. And because of who you are and what you've done, we declare you are worthy, worthy, worthy. And we join those that sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord who was and is and is to come. We praise you, King Jesus. You are worthy. You are so worthy. Amen. Amen. We're going to, stay with me, we're going to take a little bit what seems like a hard right, and so I, I get that. We're, we're going to talk just briefly about clapping and dancing. And you may be thinking to yourself, this guy, I've seen this guy's rhythm, like that's, that's how's this going to work? It's not, here, here's I want to dispel two myths. One, this is not so you think you can dance type of performance or, or show. And secondly, for people that feel uncomfortable with a clap or a dance, this is a reverent moment. Yes, I absolutely agree. These moments that we just experienced were absolutely reverent. But the dance and the clapping can absolutely be just as reverent to a holy God. A group called Desiring God writes this, when the president deplanes from Air Force One, servicemen stand in concrete postures of salute at the bottom of the stairs. Does anyone ever look at the servicemen and say, put your hand down, you're causing a scene? No, their physical postures do not distract from the president's glory, they help to display it. Likewise, when we see people in the presence of God bowing down or raising hands in authentic spiritual worship, we're not to look to them, but through them and see a ruling and reigning Christ who sits supreme over the worshiper's body, life, and world. You want to see this expressed in the everyday, put a piece of chocolate cake in front of a little kid and watch the expression of joy, of clapping and dancing as they get excited about what's about to happen, right? Psalm 47.1 says, clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Nature's personified in Isaiah 55.12. It says this, you will go out Enjoy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will do what? They will clap their hands. You see, nature will burst forth with a joyful noise, and we have the option of putting those twigs on your body with clappers on the end of them together and doing something to join the expression of all of creation to magnify God. And you may not be able to play an instrument like me, but you can play your clappers. Dancing plays a part throughout human history as a piece of celebration and expression of communities coming together to exalt and joyfully let out what is inside of them. Celebration, intimacy, and connection. Think of a wedding celebration where dancing gets to take place. And friends, are we not a part of a celebration in this place of Jesus' victory over all of creation? Will you guys stand with me for a second? Psalm 149 says, Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. 
2 Samuel 6.14 talks about Daniel, I'm sorry, David, King David, uh, walking before the, the Ark of the Covenant, leading it back to Jerusalem. And they take a couple steps. And it says this, And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. As they were taking the presence, as they were carrying the presence of God back to be with the people of God, David danced. And he was wearing a linen ephod, which is simply a priestly garment. The king was wearing a priestly garment. And you know what you're called in 1 Peter 2.9? A royal priesthood. Those that are carrying the presence of God back to the proper place of God as his kingdom is brought here to this earth. And so we're gonna encourage you guys to use your clappers, to dance a little bit, even if it's this. If all you have is a little rock, but if you've got the full thing, come on down, let's go. Let's, let's put it on for the glory of God so that God can be seen through what we do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. How you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart. Come on, sing it out. Cause you found me, you freed me, held back the waters for my relief. Oh, yeah, you're the
church. Can we not worship the one who is worthy of it? Come on. Has God led anybody in this house through some stuff? Has he not provided for you in an incredible, miraculous way? When other people said no way, you said God's got a way. Come on, somebody. I think we got a little bit more left in the tank. Band, are you feeling it? You feeling it? Can we see you? Let's step in. You stepped into my Egypt. Let's go. Oh. You stepped into my Egypt and you took me by the hand. Yeah, you. Come on, what did he do? And now I will not forget you, God. I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love. Let's go! so in this house. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God is good. He's led us through and he will continue. Come on. God's not done. God's not done yet. There's still work. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you glad you showed up today? You learned some Hebrew words. Some of you worked out a little bit today. Come on. We learned a new phrase, the clapper. I love it. I love it. We pray above all that what God has started in here today, that these postures or these attitudes of worship, check this out. You don't have to be here in order for that to transfer out there, right? We are to be carriers of worship everywhere we go. So you know what I'm excited about this week? Some of your businesses are going to be set on fire this week because you're going to stand up and you're going to proclaim your God and you're going to worship. You're not going to be ashamed as we interact with our friends and as we in our comings and our goings. Parents, this week you're going to foster an environment of worship in your homes. You're going to create those moments. You're going to turn off the TV and you're going to turn on the praise. And you're going to worship. And your kids are going to see in a mom and a dad. Hey, men, men, can we be the lead worshipers in our families? They're going to see that in us. You know, every little boy's dream is I'm going to be like my dad. Men, what will we model this week for our kids? Everywhere we go, may there be no mistaking who we lift our hands and celebrate. May there be no mistaking who we bow to. Maybe who we even fall down in front of. May there be no mistaking who we believe is worthy of the best clap. I'm not talking about a golf clap. I'm talking about the King of Kings. And we're going to dance and we're going to get a little undignified for Him this week. Amen? Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Ministry team, will you come join me down front today? The ministry team have bottles of oxygen for you if you've lost some air. No, just kidding. They do want to breathe some things into you today. Maybe some words of encouragement. Right today, Walt? Maybe you're here today and it's hard for you to lift your hands and sing hallelujah because there's just some mess that you're going through. Listen, every time we gather in this room, and for those of you that are watching us online right now, listen, we would love to come alongside of you and pray. There's a number that's popping up online for you to text. If you're here physically in the building today, we have prayer warriors that are here today that would love to encourage you and come alongside of you in your time of need. We'd be honored if we could pray with you and somehow give a word from the Lord that might just lift your spirits a little bit. Amen? Are you ready to leave this place? No? Okay, well, you can stay. We have a third one coming up. And, uh, um, but, but no, I, I hope that we're ready to leave here to put Jesus Christ on display this week. Listen, please know this. The reason we turn it up loud reason we lift our hands and act a little undignified in this house is we believe that he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy and you've heard me say this time and time again what we've just done now is preparing you for what we will do every day every minute every hour every week every in the presence of God amen so we're practicing we're getting ready for what we will do for eternity. Amen. So Father, I pray that what you've started in this house would not end when I say amen. That God, we would continue to carry this same vibe, this same joy, this same excitement, this same belief that our God is greater than any other. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You will return. And the fact the day of your return is very near and you will return on a horse dressed in white because you are the king and you're the victor. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that who is Lord? Jesus. Come on, say the name of Jesus is Lord. May you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. It's in the holy name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said, thank you. You are dismissed.